Well, good morning, everyone. I feel like there's, there's always an excitement whenever a special day like today comes around when we can uh, maybe step out of the ordinary and do things that are a little uh, different here in the morning service. So it's exciting to be able to take a few moments to share about our mothers and the impact that they had on our lives. Uh, today, I'm going to focus on a, a mother in scripture, uh, and we're going to look at at a couple different verses, and we'll start in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the the faith chapter. The heroes of the faith are listed here in this chapter. And in verse number 11, we're told about a woman named Sarah, and we'll get to that verse in just a moment. I've titled this message this morning, A Meek and Quiet Spirit. A Meek and Quiet Spirit. And in a moment, we'll look at Hebrews 11, verse 11, and then we'll, we'll jump into another portion of Scripture as well. A man came home from work, and he found his three children outside. They were still in their pajamas. They were playing in the mud. The door of his wife's car was open, as was the front door to their house, and there was no sign of their dog. Proceeding into the entry, he found an even bigger mess inside the house. A lamp had been knocked over in the front room where the TV was. It was on, it was loud and just blaring uh, a cartoon. And the family room was covered with a number of toys and various items of clothing. In the kitchen, dishes filled the sink. Breakfast food was spilled on the counter. The fridge door was left wide open and dog food was spilled all over the floor. The man quickly headed upstairs, stepping over toys as he went up the stairs, stepping over piles of clothing, looking for his wife. He was worried she must have taken ill, or that something serious had happened. So he was met as he walked into the upstairs and opened the door to the bathroom, a small trickle of water that was making its way out of the bathroom. As he peered inside, he saw that there were wet towels on the ground, there was soap all over the place, and more toys that were strewn over the floor. As he rushed to the bedroom, he found his wife curled up in the bed in her pajamas, reading a book. She looked up at him and she smiled. And she asked how his day had been. He looked at her bewildered and he said, What happened here today? And she smiled again and she said, you know every day when you come home from work and you ask me how my day went, well, I didn't do any of it today. (laughs) Now that's a really silly illustration. But when you stop and think about it, it's truly amazing all the different roles that our mothers fill. Perhaps your mother has already passed on and, and you're living with her memory. Perhaps your mother is still around and you can talk to her as often as you'd like. Perhaps your spouse is a mother. Perhaps you're a mother or you're still living with your mother. Either way, one way or another, we've all been significantly impacted by our mothers. And when you take a deeper look into all the ways that we've been impacted by our mothers, it's really quite interesting. I was doing a study this week on all the different roles that mothers end up occupying. Now, not professionally, but what they end up occupying just by being a mom. And I was blown away at some of the studies that I found that have taken place. One study showed that 
the average mother spends 10% of her day cooking. She spends 8% of her day being a hairdresser, a hairstylist, and a cosmetologist. She spends another 8% of her day being a judge and a jury. She spends another 8% of her day as a nurse. 20% of her day is spent as a maid and as a housekeeper. 3% of her day is spent being a private detective and investigator. 5% is spent being an, an, an accountant and an auditor. 10% is spent serving as a chauffeur. 30% is spent as a child care worker. 20% is spent as a teacher. And if you're keeping count, we're well over 100%, which is humanly impossible, which should say something about how awesome our mothers are. And did I forget to mention that mothers don't receive a paycheck for any of this work? They're all of these things and so much more. And you know what they get paid? They get paid in being able to clean the house. They get paid in picking up after the mess that we leave behind. Economists have tried to attach a numerical figure as to what the average mother might actually receive in income if she were paid according to all the different jobs that she did. And the most recent figure, which I still think is way too low, is an annual salary of $137,141. And $137,141. Six figures. Moms, who would sign up for that? Can we make that retroactive? And go back to when you first became a mom and start collecting that salary up until today? Each of us has fond memories of our mothers. And we know that they did so much to help mold us into who we are today. There is a unique relationship between a mother and a child that fathers cannot replicate. I see that so clearly with the mother of my children. When Ruthie gets sick, I get a small taste of what she does each day. And let me tell you, I do everything I can to nurse her back to health. <laughs> I'm not trying to paint myself as incompetent. I keep the kids alive. But I can't do what she does. She knows everything there is to know about our children. And when I say everything, I mean everything. She knows everything there is to know about them where I can point them out to you. Sometimes I even get their names wrong. She can tell you their shoe size. She can tell you right now every article of clothing that each of them have in their dressers, which drawer they're in. Sometimes when I go and try to change them, I'm opening every single drawer trying to find out where the shirts are. And she looks at me, she's like, are you new to this house? Did you just move in? She knows everything. She knows when they wore each outfit last, what size clothing each child wears. She knows what their names are. She knows where their bedrooms are. 
She knows the last time each of them were sick. She knows she can remember what symptoms they had when they were sick, when they started to feel better. She remembers how old they were when they first started sleeping through the night. She, she knows when each of them got their first tooth. She knew when they each started taking their first steps. She knows when they all spoke their first words. She knows everything there is to know about each of our kids. God has blessed us with mothers who care. Mothers that are involved, mothers that sacrifice, mothers that love, mothers that point us to Christ. I'm not always there to put our children down for bed, but I know that every night as our children are tucked into their bed, they have a mother that prays over them. In 3 John chapter, was only one chapter, in 3 John verse 4, the Bible says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Many of our mothers shared that joy. And we're products of their faithfulness and their devotion to Christ. They are the ones who had a hand in leading us to the Lord. Many of you are here today because God used a mother in your life to share the gospel to you, to live the gospel as well in her own life, and to point you to Christ. Those of you that can, make sure you honor your moms today. Let them know how much you appreciate all that you've done, all that they've done for you and continue to do for you if they're still here. With our time this morning, we're going to look at two verses. We're going to start here in Hebrews 11. We're going to highlight the example of Sarah from the Old Testament. We're not only going to focus on the example of her motherhood, but also her being Abraham's wife. I want you to look at what we see here, beginning with Hebrews 11 and verse 11. Hebrews 11, verse 11. The Bible says, Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And now I want you to turn a few pages back, or over, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want you to listen to what we read in verse number 6. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 6. The Bible says, 1 Peter 3 verse 6, it says, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. It is such a blessing for a godly man to have a God-honoring and God-fearing wife. Life is not going to be perfect. There are sure going to be bumps in the road. But those of you that have a godly spouse, bless and praise God every time you think of each other. It may be that Abraham garners majority of our attention, especially between the two, husband and wife. Between Abraham and Sarah, we, we kind of focus all of our attention on Abraham. But... There's enough in the Bible that says about Sarah and about the example that she laid as well. Sarah is the one that God directs women to look to and to strive to imitate. Here again, it says, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. While most people may not give her that much attention because she is most of the time seen silently working in the background, God never ignores the faithful who may appear to be obscure in this world. 
We tend to focus on those that are more prominent, those that are appearing in the public eye all the time, uh, while disregarding those who are silent, those who are steady and steadfastly working behind the scenes. But that is not at all the case with God. We focus on the big things, but God's eyes are focused on the small things as much as he's focused on the big things. We're told in Psalm 147 and verses 3 through 6, the Bible says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And notice this. He says, The Lord lifteth up the meek. The Lord lifteth up the meek. There is nothing that God is not aware of. Not even a simple wife and a simple mother who goes about her work without anyone taking notice of it. There are a lot of mothers. Maybe you're a mother here today and the things that you do around the house seem to go unnoticed. Dishes are magically always washed. The house is surprisingly kept clean. Clothes appear in our closets and in our dressers clean. Food appears at the dinner table, cooked, ready to be eaten. All of these things are done. And seldom do we consider all the work and the time and the effort and the sacrifice that went into all of that to be taken care of. You may not get all the recognition that you deserve, but rest assured that God is aware of every little thing that you are doing as a mother to keep that home a home. He's aware of it all and he never forgets to take care of even the least of those that are his. As much as Sarah was taken care of by Abraham as he provided for her, Sarah was even more so under the shield of the Almighty God. The Bible tells us that Sarah was laid to rest in the same tomb that would later be shared with Abraham, and she would be in heaven rejoicing with the same joy with her name written alongside Abraham's in the Lamb's Book of Life. This blessing received by Sarah from God was possible, not because of who she married, not because of what house she lived in, but because she also trusted in God herself. And it is for this reason why the encouragement here, both in Hebrews 11 as well as in 1 Peter chapter 3, is offered to imitate such a godly woman. There is much to learn from Sarah, even though she spent the majority of her life living in the shadow of her husband. But what we see is that some of the most significant virtues are not found in the most prominent in society, but in those who live the more quiet and the more obscure life. Isaiah 51 verse 2 says, Look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. There's a reason why God instructed Sarah to be recognized, and it is because you can't learn everything there is to know about our patriarchs until you've learned also about Sarah. Abraham may have been the head of the household, but Sarah was the one who took care of that home. Abraham was told to walk before God and to be perfect in faith in him. We read about him defeating kings that carried away his, captive, his, nephew, his nephew Lot, as well as doing many other great things, all of which demonstrate his skill and his expertise as become a man. And we also see that the same faith makes Sarah walk before God in perfectness as well. Sarah was able to perform the actions and the duties and the responsibilities which become her womanhood. And she too is recorded among those worthy of faith there in Hebrews 11 verse 11, magnified in the Lord. 
The verse that we're focusing on this Mother's Day leads us to look at the fruit of the faith in the life of Sarah. There are two simple truths that come from, that really come forth from Sarah's faith, which are women are encouraged to imitate, that she did well, it says, and that she was not afraid with any amazement. Notice again what it says there in 1 Peter 3, 6. It says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. The context makes it clear that this verse is speaking to believing wives. As we see in verse number one of the chapter, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So when the apostle Peter here writes in verse number six, where he says, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well. He's speaking to wives. He's speaking to mothers. He's not speaking only to, to Jewish wives of a natural descent from Sarah, but he, he's speaking in the spiritual sense that believers are the children of Abraham and Sarah who walk in the steps of their faith, whether you are Jew or Gentile. And so when he speaks of believing wives being the daughters of Sarah, he is encouraging them to imitate the same faith, the same obedience that they had to God. Sarah was everything that her husband Abraham could have hoped for or even imagined. In fact, we're told that when Sarah died, Abraham not only mourned for her, but the Bible says that he wept for her with tears of sorrow. Sarah had been the lifeline of that house. Because as a wife, Sarah did well, the Bible says. Everything that was required of her as the matron of their traveling company was performed admirably, and we find no fault mentioned concerning her in that regard. She did well as a wife, and Sarah did well as a mother. Now, we know that her children were not perfect. Isaac was not perfect, but he would be used in a good way. And in the hand of God, the mother forms her children's character. Any of us can bear witness that this is most likely true. There may be some exceptions from time to time, but for the most part, the mother is the molder of that child. The mother is the one who nurtures. The mother is the one who applies such attention and care to a child. And he, especially a son, will look up to his mother with infinite respect if she does well as a mother. It is clear that Sarah, by faith, did well by her son Isaac. And I think the greatest example of this is seen in how easily Isaac yielded himself to his father Abraham when, instructed to, when God instructed Abraham to offer Isaac up as a sacrifice. Many of you are probably familiar with the account. Abraham and Isaac get up to the mountain where God instructed Abraham to go. And as they construct an altar, the wood is placed upon the altar. And Isaac looks to his father and asks him where the offering is that they're going to place upon the altar. And listen to what we read in Genesis 22 and verses 9 and 10. Genesis 22, 9 and 10, the Bible says, And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now in all of that, now we, we know that it doesn't end with Isaac dying. God would supernaturally intervene. But in all of that, there's no record no record of, at all of Isaac complaining or struggling with his father or trying to get unbound and to be freed from being the sacrifice that is going to be offered. 
What we see instead is complete yielding of a son to his father as a demonstration of complete obedience, which almost certainly was instilled in him through the faithfulness of his mother. You see, everywhere that God led Abraham to live, Abraham set up his tent and he set up an altar to sacrifice unto the Lord. Abraham made sure to set the proper example within his home that wherever their house was, his family would always be worshiping God. And this mentality was carried forth onto his faithful wife, Sarah. And Sarah did well by instilling this great truth into the heart of her son, Isaac. The husband and wife in that household were agreed. They were on the same page. They understood that there is something important that they cannot waver on. And that is their devotion and faithfulness to God that God must always come first, no matter the circumstances, no matter where they found themselves. And I guarantee you that the worship of God would not have been prominent in that household were it not for Sarah being as godly as her husband Abraham. Sarah did well as a mother. And it is evidenced in the godly manner in which she raised Isaac. What we also see is that Sarah did well as a believer. When God first called Abraham to leave his homeland and to go to a land that God would show him, without question, without any hesitation, without any disagreement or argument, Sarah went with him. She didn't stop him and say, well, you know, I know God told you this, but we have a home. We have family that we're going to be leaving behind. We've built a good life for us here. Why do we have to go and leave and go to a place where we're going to be starting over, a place that we don't even know, a place that we have no friends and no company to spend with? Nothing of the sort is mentioned. Without hesitation, she packs up her home and they get up and they go. The life they had established for themselves in Ur, Sarah willingly and faithfully gave all of that up to travel across the desert with her husband, not knowing where they were going to go, where they were going to stop. She continued with him every step of the way, believing in God just as Abraham was. Even though they were living in a tent, she believed God's promises with all of her heart. Even though she laughed at one of God's promises once, when the promise of her son became true, everything changed. It overwhelmed her with joy. Again, we're told in Hebrews 11, verse 11, it says, Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. It was by faith that the child God had promised would actually be born. Sarah was a believing woman then, and she lived a believing life. And so the Bible says, as it looks back upon her life, that she did well. The testimony of Sarah is offered as encouragement to all believing wives and mothers to do well as she did. There's also a second evidence by which Sarah's faith is proved, and that is that it says she was not afraid with any amazement. Again, it says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. This phrase describes Sarah as being calm, being confident, not fearful from any sort of terror. 
The more we see about her life, the more we find that there could have been several circumstances which could have caused her to be extremely upset and frustrated with Abraham. She could have easily been afraid about the prospect of picking up and leaving the only home that they knew to follow the command of God to go a place that they were not familiar with. She could have been afraid not knowing how it was that they were going to provide for themselves and make a living in a place that was completely foreign to them. But scripture doesn't record any such fears or even reservations on the part of Sarah. They loaded up their camels. They went on their journey following and trusting God. Abraham was trusting God. Sarah was trusting Abraham and God. So it mattered not to her where they journeyed. She felt safe with Abraham's God, so she calmly and confidently journeyed on. Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. On top of journeying for so long, part of the journey meant that they didn't have a permanent dwelling, which forced them to live in a tent. They, that may not bother Abraham all that much, because let's be honest, wherever they're pitching their tent, most of the time Abraham is going to spend his time outside the tent. But Sarah was a housewife. And she's the one dealing with, with all the discomforts of having to live in a tent. With as much as they traveled, I can only imagine how trying it must have been to have to constantly pack everything up and move the tent again. And no matter where they move to, they're still in the desert. They had the sun scorching down upon them with only canvas to shield them. And when it did get cold, again, only canvas to shield them. And it wasn't a matter of traveling for a few days or even a few weeks. This life went on for years. Moms, how many of you would like to have little stability in your life? You know, at, at the very least, you're content with the home that you're in because it's your home. You're okay with a messy situation at times because it's still something that you're living in. But imagine having to pick everything up all the time and move and move and move and move. And just when you think you're settling in, God says, all right, it's time to move again. You'd be willing to pull your hair out. You'd be getting a little frustrated, a little annoyed, a little antsy. Lord, when are we going to get some stability? When can we put some roots down? When can we get a little bit of normalcy to this endless traveling? But none of that. She was remaining completely confident in God every step of the way. Abraham returned from a battle at one point in which he and his forces were completely outnumbered. And he was victorious. There are many times where I'm sure she was probably panicking as to just what situations were like outside because she's in the home, in the tent, and he's out and about. There are they, they certainly had a very uncomfortable way to live, and yet Sarah never complained and was not afraid with any amazement. There was the occasion when Abraham, as I mentioned, he went off to war. He had to go and rescue his nephew Lot, who had been taken captive, and then Sarah staying at home, knowing that he's gone out, fearful. He's probably too old to be going into battle to begin with, and she knows that. She knows that he's outnumbered. He, she knows that he's probably not going to be successful, but nothing of the sort is said by her. There's no record of her being any, in any sort of fear or distress over her husband that, or, 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 or any of that. She's left alone to fend for the home herself. She wasn't fearful at all because she was remaining completely confident in God. Now we know that the Bible tells us that Abraham would return having rescued his nephew Lot and I believe that God was truly pleased with Sarah's quiet 
faith. Because at times of trouble, when normal people might have been overwhelmed, when normal people might have been completely discouraged, Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. And possibly the greatest trial of her faith came on another day when Sarah noticed the sudden disappearance of her husband Abraham and her son Isaac. She may have wondered where they had gone. And quite possibly another servant may have come and told her that Abraham left early in the morning taking two of his servants as well as her son Isaac. Now God had spoken to Abraham. We know that there's no record of Abraham telling anyone else about what God had told him or where they were going. So we're left to believe that maybe Abraham never even told Sarah at all. And it was probably such a struggle for Abraham himself to take his son Isaac to the mountain where God said, you're going to offer him as a sacrifice upon this altar. This was the child of promise. He probably couldn't bear to tell Sarah about this. This is the child of Sarah's old age. Her only child and Sarah had no clue as far as what we told. That they had gone and for what purpose they had gone. The first day passed and Abraham and Isaac did not return. A second day passed and again, anxiety because Abraham is still not there. There's no cell phones. There's no texting. There's no communication. Three days passed and still nothing. I can't begin to imagine the anxiety that would have come upon any of us if we were in Sarah's shoes, wondering where the husband is, where is your son? Unless you had shared in Sarah's faith in God, for through her faith in God, the Bible says Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. It was a three-day journey for Abraham and Isaac to reach Mount Moriah where God called him to build the altar and to sacrifice his son Isaac upon that altar. And it's safe to assume that it would have been another three days journey to come back. So it wasn't just three days that she was without Abraham and Isaac. It was at least a week. Any one of us would have sent out a search party by that point. But I truly believe that Sarah waited as calmly as possible while continually telling herself that if Abraham left with Isaac, he had business to take care of. And they both would be under God's hand of protection. I believe that she would have been reminded of God's initial promise to Abraham, where God promised to bless him and to bless his seed forever. So even though Sarah didn't know where they were, when they were coming back, there was a lasting comfort in the promises of God, which enabled her to continue to not be afraid with any amazement. What we see in that account is that God was working in not just Sarah, but also in Abraham, to not value anything or anyone more than what we should be valuing God. It is on this basis that believing wives and mothers are instructed and encouraged to imitate Sarah here in 1 Peter 3, verse 6. It says again, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Don't let your hearts be troubled by the circumstances of life which are changing all the time, but rest daily in the promises of the Lord and wait patiently for him. Sarah possessed this significant virtue and it was evident in how well she lived and the fact that she was not afraid with any amazement. But what is this virtue that Sarah had? It was a meek and a quiet spirit. A meek and quiet trust in God. Were there times where Sarah could have easily been fearful? Absolutely. Are there times when you're overwhelmed and fear and overwhelmed with despair? Of course. But within believers, 
There needs to be this composure of mind, a freedom from anxiety, the absence of worry, so that whatever happens, fear does not take control of our spirit, but rather that our hearts would keep on their quiet pace, delighting each and every day in our faithful God. Sarah was not perfect. But there is much in her that is worthy of imitating. That is why she is the example offered for believing wives and mothers. This is the virtue that Sarah had, this meek and quiet spirit, this meek and quiet trust in God, resting in his word, resting in his promises, no matter the circumstances. It is a virtue that is more valuable than all the money in the world. And Sarah had it, and all believing wives and mothers should desire to have it as well. Our verse declares, it says, whose daughters ye are, it says, as long as, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. When should this virtue be exercised? All the time. If you're not composed when happy, you're not likely to be calm when you're sad. Don't go overboard with your excitement. Be excited in the good times for sure, but make sure that you're under control and that way you'll be more likely to be also under control when things aren't going good. Some of us go off the wall hysterical during the good times and completely end up flying off the handle in the bad times. Exercise this virtue of a meek and a quiet spirit and trust in God. Wives and mothers know all too well that circumstances change very quickly within a home, within a household. And better it is to remain under control Better it is to remain composed in the midst of the changing circumstances and demonstrate to those watching eyes. Moms, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Demonstrate to those watching eyes a meek and a quiet trust in God. Circumstances will change from good to bad and bad to good, and there's no lead up to it. There's no advanced warning letting us know it's coming up. And a believing woman should not be afraid with any amazement, either in adversity or in any trial that may come. But her patience in God should keep her calm and steadfast. What is it, though? What is it, though, that makes this virtue of a meek and a quiet trust in God so excellent? Well, the answer to that is simple. Understand that God is sovereignly in control of everything and his word will never fail. How was Sarah able to do well to her husband and to have no fear leaving the only home she knew? She knew that God was in control. She knew that his promise to Abraham would not fail. How was she able to do well to her son Isaac and to not fear when Abraham took him away? Sarah knew that God was still in control and that his promise to bless their seed would not fail. God had proved himself to be faithful to Abraham. And that was more than sufficient for Sarah to get completely on board. A God whose word has never failed ought to be fully trusted. Quite frankly, with the amount of times that God has proven himself faithful to them, it would have been a sin to not do well and to not be afraid with any amazement. Now, I know that some days were harder than others, but there still existed that meek and a quiet trust in God. If God were not true to his word, then we would have every reason to be afraid today. But since God has never and will never fail, and any and all fears within us 
all of them should be banished. Peacefulness in God is a demonstration of true worship. Being quiet under alarming circumstances is a sign of your devotion to God. Those who are able to imitate the same virtue of a meek and a quiet trust in God in their relationships will be able to enjoy the peak of worship and true joy in Christ. Sarah was meek and quiet in the troubling times, and because of that unrelenting trust in God, she was able to make it through the difficult circumstances. Wives and mothers have such a great impact on the lives of those around you. And the most lasting Im impact that can be left on husbands and children is making God the center of your life. Let your husband see it. Let your kids see it. Let God be the focal point in what you do. It is when God is moved out of the center of your life that you become frightened and that you lose confidence in the everyday things. It is when God is moved out of the center of your life that you become frightened out of your confidence in him that you no longer do well to those around you. Don't let your heart get to the point where it begins to race in fear of what may happen. Be calm and continue to quietly trust in God. The question remains, how can you obtain such a virtue? How do you get that? This meek and this quiet trust in God is a product of our faith. And you will have it in proportion to your faith. You have to fully depend on God. Realizing that everything in life needs to take a back seat to God. And this may sound crazy, but even your spouse and your children need to understand that God comes first. Will you put that in the right frame of mind? And when you can do that, you can obtain that meek and quiet trust in God at all times. There were times when I caused my own mother to not be meek or quiet or calm. But us kids knew that in our home, God always came first. This meek and quiet trust comes also from daily walking in fellowship with God. In Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, we read, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I would say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. That dwelling in God refers to making God your everything. Don't just visit God. Dwell, it says, under his shadow. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, there is a permanence there. It's not a temporary thing. It's not a visit. It's not a vacation. It's not you're going to check in for a while and then check out. He that dwelleth and permanently is there in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Make God your everything. He's not just someone that you go to when there is a need. He's the one that you're desiring and the one you're living with. Maintain daily fellowship with Christ in prayer. Maintain that fellowship with Christ in praise, in service, in searching His Word, in submitting your heart to the work that he's, that he's called you to do. And the more that you walk with God, the more you will find yourself meek and quietly and confidently trusting in him. Neither the world, our flesh, or even the devil shall be able to overcome such a virtue in the life of a believer because we have the promise of a faithful God to protect us. Wives and mothers, the legacy that you leave upon those that God has brought in your life 
is going to last a lifetime. Your children may be under your roof for maybe only 18 years, 20 years, 30 years, however long it may be, but eventually they're probably going to move out on their own. You can kick them out too if you'd like. Vincent, your mom was shaking her head pretty aggressively, so I'll be praying for you, bud. But either way, the time that we have them, cherish those moments. Train them up the right way. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. But as you're training them, you as a wife and a mother, make sure that you're living that way too. Not do as I say, not as I do. Do it. Do as you say. Let them see it in you first. What you teach them is going to last. A found, it's going to build that foundation and last their entire lifetime. So build wisely. Until you pass from this life into the next, your work as a mom is never complete. Lives are still in need of being molded. Some of you shared about grandmothers who had a significant impact in your life. Don't forget, whether you're a wife, a mom, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, any great-great-grandmothers here, whatever it may be, you be a faithful and a godly example to those in your life. You're the wives and mothers that you are today, most likely because of the mother that God put in your life. Make sure that God is at the center of your life. Make sure that you're trusting him forever. Isaiah 26 verse 4 seems to be a verse that we keep coming back to. It says, Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. <coughs> let your spouses, let your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, let them all see your obedient trust in the Lord. Do well. Be not afraid with any amazement. And live with that meek and that quiet trust in God. Would you bow with me in prayer this morning? <coughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the mothers that you have given us, the grandmothers that you have given us, Lord, the ones that have set such a, a godly example for us to follow after. I pray, Lord, that we can learn something here from the example of Sarah, Lord, and the wife and mother that she was. Lord, that we may do well, that we may serve you with such boldness and confidence, Lord, as imperfect as she was. And we didn't even really touch on, Lord, some of the faults and failures that she had. But Lord, I'm thankful for the example that we have set before us. Lord, you are the one that has given us all that we have. And you're the ultimate example for us to follow after. Lord, may we follow in your footsteps. May we honor those that, Lord, honor you ultimately. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that we can be a blessing as much as mothers were a blessing to us. And help us to honor them with our time today. In Christ's name we pray, amen.